recording going doing the best we can to be technically apt here all right everybody welcome back to ask brojo anything uh thank you guys so much for sending your questions through you've given us plenty of fodder we've got a actually a pretty big wait list um so we try to get through two at least every week and uh as always prioritizing our gold members and then if we've got time get into the other questions but yeah, if you want your questions answered, join Gold. Um, there's a total money-back guarantee on your first month, so you can just try it out for a month, and if you don't like it, you can bail. If you do like it, you can stay. And part of that is getting your questions answered by us wise old men. Um, so we've got two today. The first one's a bit of a lengthy one, so I'll kind of summarize. And then, Mike, you can introduce maybe the second one. So... First one, long story short, is we've got a guy on the sidelines of his family watching a family member manipulate and abuse and hurt other family members. Um, essentially using her child as a kind of pawn in this game to control her parents. This, this guy is the sister. Uh, this guy, yeah, it's his sister. So she will essentially get her parents to do whatever she wants by threatening to take the child away from them then using them for babysitting, that kind of thing going back and forth. Plus there's a whole lot more going on. Um, so he's frustrated that the parents put up with this. He's frustrated with the sister. He's confronted the parents, uh, but not the sister yet. Uh, it sounds like he sees his sister as kind of uh, quite manipulative and maybe narcissistic or something you know, kind of extreme. Um, she insists on staying in an abusive relationship and the son, the, the young child involved in this has to, you know, view all of that. Then he's also seeing that the grandmother, his mother is maybe making choices for the child that he doesn't agree with. One such choice is he was, um, he was homeschooled and he can see a lot of pressure from the grandparents to do the same. And he, feel like, he feels like that was really a bad move for him socially. And you can see this kind of thing where he feels that choices are being made for the child that he doesn't agree with and that he thinks are wrong. And he feels kind of powerless, impotent to help, very frustrated, very sure of what's right and wanting to intervene and so on. So what I've got is that kind of classic situation where you're watching people you care about. Not only are they being harmed, or at least they appear to be, but they're also making stupid decisions and you're kind of powerless to watch as a child possibly gets damaged by all of this very familiar situation for a lot of people especially when we're talking about family or close friends but some people feel this way even about watching total strangers live out their lives so mike what are your first thoughts on this one like i say yeah it's 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 such a challenging situation to see people in this kind of relationship dynamic. I think one of the best um, aspects of this particular situation is that the guy who sent this in clearly sees that both ends of the relationship are to blame for where the relationship's at. Blame's a harsh word here. I mean, both ends are responsible. So while it's the sister who is doing the manipulation, the parents are fully supporting and enabling and encouraging it. 
through their reaction or lack of reaction. And that's, that's very challenging. Um, I hadn't actually read that was at the bottom of the message. My first thought was, well, you need to talk to the parents. They're the ones that are enabling this, but clearly he's, he's already done that. In this kind of situation, the thing I have to keep reminding myself is that it, we're talking about people here. You can't change someone who doesn't want to be changed. As coaches, we probably know this better than most because we work with a lot of people who say they want to be changed but aren't actually willing to change their worldviews or confront their fears or put in self-investment that's needed for that change to happen. So the best you can do in a situation like this is bring it to light. All you can do is bring it up, confront the problem, make it clear that you're being emotionally affected by this situation, make it clear that everyone is being emotionally affected by the situation. And essentially I would treat it as a, um, basically a, a family sit down and confrontation where you just call out all the different angles of the situation non-judgmentally, but basically say, look how toxic this is. Look how it's affecting me and my wife. We don't want to even come to Christmas. Look how it's affecting your child. What's going to happen in a few years from now? Look how unhappy mom and dad are. Look how unhappy sis is. Look at all these things going on. Can we do this better? Beyond that, it's a struggle. You just basically have to sit back and let things fall where they may. And, uh, and hope for the best and be there to help support the family as they try to iron out their own dynamic challenges. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, look, the main thing I think for us to recognize is just how difficult the situation is to deal with psychologically. Um, like I said, everybody's got a version of this, even if it's just watching a stranger, you know, I've, I've seen somebody like smack their kid in the head at the supermarket and just some part of me wants to like go, nah, dude, that's not a good way to raise a kid. And this other part of me goes, well, it's none of my business. And this internal battle goes on and it gets the closer you are to the people involved, the harder it is to define that difference of, is this my battle or not? When it's your nephew, does that mean you are now obliged to intervene in some way? Are you allowed to force yourself in this situation? There are no right or wrong answers here. There are no guidelines from above as to how this is supposed to be handled. But what we can see is if we take a philosophical perspective of the situation is when you get out of the forest and can see the trees or whatever they're saying is, we've got a situation that is not under your control. That's the key thing to recognize here. You may, as Mike identified, there is a healthy intention of intervention there's the a way to try and have a positive influence on this but ultimately they could resist against that totally tell you to go fuck yourself it might even get worse as a reaction they might even resist just to spite you so ultimately the frustration comes from deep down knowing i can't control this i might have to witness a child be raised improperly and not be able to do anything about that a child i love and care about Mike's kind of identified where I'd go with this. Um, so I'm really just repeating him here, which is the only outsource you've got here for all that frustration is honesty. There is a big difference between tolerance and acceptance. Now acceptance is understanding that things are outside of your control and coming to peace with that. 
tolerance is putting up with something. And it's not the same. So tolerance in this situation would be keeping your mouth shut and just letting it happen and not speaking up and not confronting anybody and not getting uncomfortable. Or it might even be running away from the situation and not speaking your mind. Acceptance means knowing even if I speak my mind, things might not change. I may have no effect, but I need to speak my mind for my own sake. I need to know that I've expressed the truth as best I can. And therefore, if this all goes to shit, I, I know I did everything I could. Because expressing yourself honestly is all you can do in this situation. Now, there are some exceptions. If you're to witness a situation where the law is being broken or there is some authority uh, legally to get involved, then that's a different conversation. But this isn't one of those. Unfortunately, being manipulative and sneaky is not against the law. And even, uh, it'd be depending on the situation, but even being in an abusive relationship does not necessarily mean that you can intervene legally with the child, though I would be keeping an eye on that. One thing I would do in this situation is if I saw it heading towards crossing that line, I'd make it clear to people what I'm going to do if the line is crossed. And I'd be very clear, I don't care if everyone hates me, I'll do the right thing. For example, if I find out that the child has been witness to physical abuse, I will call child services and get them involved. If I find out that the partner is hit, you know, if I find out my sister's hit by a partner, I will call the police and report it. I'll make it clear, like, there'll be no tolerance on my part. Now, I know that doing those things might not fix the situation, but I will not let someone drag me into their compromised value world. That's the key here is understanding all you can do in the situation. Maintain your own integrity and not allow them to drag you down into the mud where they're playing. But they may all hate you for it. And that's the price you're going to have to pay. Yeah, I think that's a very key point is to recognize that half the problem here is that your sister is being enabled. Last thing you want to do is be part of that enabling force. So setting boundaries very clearly, exactly the way Dan established, is a very, very powerful way to do this. Say, look, this is bullshit. I can see the bullshit going on. I'm not going to allow the bullshit to become harmful to my nephew or to my own family or to my parents. I'm gonna watch out for all of you because this is my, this is my aspect of responsibility in this situation. So your goal is to make certain that they know where the lines are and what your values are. I think that also goes very importantly into the question of, should you even get involved here? You know, Dan said that um, it's not, there are no laws from above that this is your problem to deal with. You'll see strangers out on the street all the time doing things that you disapprove of. It doesn't mean that you get to intervene or make things right in your eyes. And that's a challenge that we all deal with all the time. But when it comes to your family, the thing that really matters here is where your core values lie in this situation. The fact that you feel responsible to do something or that you're even asking that question, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to improve this situation? Is there anything I can do to help protect my nephew? That says something about who you are as a person. 
And I think that that's the most important thing that you can go deeper into is you being your authentic self as part of this family means that you probably will have to confront them at some point in order to just be you. It's not about the sense of responsibility to anyone in particular, except to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. One thing to look at is, you know, you provide certain privileges with your presence, with being kind to people and so on. These are privileges that can be withdrawn for bad behavior. That's not the same as punishment. So punishment would be to retaliate, to take vengeance in some way, to try and hurt them for hurting you or for hurting another person. Removal of privileges simply means that somebody does not get the best you unless they earn it. And they will only get the minimal version of you if they're not earning it. So for example, if you tend to be supportive and kind and helpful to your family, all that gets taken away if they engage in these acts. And this is all clearly discussed with them. Like here are the boundaries. When you guys behave like this, I will react this way just so that you're prepared. Just like I said before about, you know, I'll call the police if I hear about violence. You can also say things like, look, I'm not going to come home for Christmas if you guys are going to keep behaving like this, or I will not call you every week if you guys are going to complain about something that you refuse to change. There's this kind of removal of privileges. Like I will not reward or enable you. You do not get the best of me if you disrespect me or you breach values in front of me. Another element I think Mike was hinting at here, and one of the toughest things we ever have to do in our life, it's what Sam Harris calls choosing the trench you want to die in. You know, we, we, especially people are looking for meaning and purpose in the world. We come to a decision like, what am I willing to die for? What is my battle? And for some people, it might be climate change. For guys like me and Mike, it's, you know, confidence issues. There's, there's enemies that we choose that we decide that's the one we're going to battle. And you see people very obviously with this, say vegans, you know, for example, or even mixed martial artists, they literally want to battle other people or maybe violence itself is the demon they want to overcome. You've got to decide what, what trench you're going to die in. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to stand for? And something like this is a poor choice to choose an area where you have almost no control, no autonomy. It's none of your business is an awful choice for the trench you want to die in because it's just going to be misery and frust frustration. Now there is potential in there. If you don't like the idea of children being harmed in general, that could be a good trench to die in. You could become an advocate for anti-violence campaigns. You could, um, run a blog that teaches good parenting techniques or how to deal with manipulative um, people and so on. You could help fight this battle at a general level, but this particular battle, the way it's happening right now, if you were to make that your sole focus in life, you're going to end up probably quite miserable. Um, so it's hard, uh, you know, Mike and I've talked about this before. There's almost nothing harder than trying to coach someone through family related issues most people can be built up to confidence where they can walk away from strangers or friends or even a career, but trying to get people to walk away from a family that's toxic is God, it's next to impossible. It really is. Um, so to this day, I'm still struggling to figure out the solutions for what happens when being around your family makes you compromise your principles, yet you're unwilling to walk away from your family. It's a dilemma I have yet to solve.
Yeah, that's that's very true, and I've experienced a bit of that myself as well. Dan, I got some distortion in your video feed for the past couple minutes while you were chatting. I'm not sure if that was my end or yours, but uh, I really liked the discussion. Dan was talking about Sam Harris and choosing the trench that you want to die in, what you're committing yourself to, really thoroughly understanding the why you're going to engage in this situation will help you direct your, your actions and your attention very well. There's one other thing I want to call out here, which I think has surfaced in my own life numerous times, is the reality that you've been holding back on expressing how much this bothers you. Now, you've clearly, in, in the message that you wrote, have confronted your parents, told them a bit about how you feel, and they seem to understand fairly well where you stand, although it hasn't swayed their approach or them enabling your sister. You haven't yet talked to your sister about this at all. There's a risk to that. There's a couple risks to that. One is you haven't planted any seeds yet that challenge her worldview. Until you do that, there's no chance for change, at least not as a result of you helping her change. The, the other side, though, is that this is still building for you. This is, uh, from an emotional standpoint, this is something that's going to make you angrier and angrier and angrier and more annoyed until the point that you actually get around to confronting her is going to be very hard to hold back and very hard to um, go into that situation with a clear head and a clear heart and really help her see what's going on. You'll be full of too much anger and resentment and anxiety. This is one of the key Brojo messages, is that the reason honesty is so important is that anytime you hide the truth of what you think or how you feel, it doesn't go away. It's still there. It's just hiding and building locked in a closet until one day when it has to come out and it just tears the room apart. You don't need that to happen. Even telling your sister, hey, um, I think mom and dad are pretty stressed about the fact that you've left them with, you know, your son for another three weeks while you go away. I think they're not talking about it, but I think they're fairly stressed about it. Simply making observations from the sidelines helps them see and question what they're doing. It's unlikely anything will change, but those small steps of honesty need to happen, both so that your sister and your parents can see what honesty looks like, what it looks like to actually call things out, and so that you don't keep building that emotional stress. For you to be helpful here means you actually stepping into that situation as honestly and authentically as you can every single opportunity that you get. Absolutely. I think that's the best point is essentially what we're saying confront every time this bothers you and it'll come out small the right size for the confrontation at the time won't be a big puke like mike says you know where it all builds up and then you explode the only final point i want to make on this i bet if i was to talk to your sister i'd get a different story and if i was to talk to your parents i'd get a different story again there's an old uh, kind of almost cliche but a, a truism and stoicism which is that nobody does wrong willfully, that we're all ignorantly evil, so to speak. Odds are your sister thinks she's doing the right thing. Your parents think they're doing the right thing. You think you're doing the right thing. 
and you're all right and you're all wrong. It's possible that your sister's some twisted psychopath and enjoys manipulating everyone. It's far more likely that the behavior you're seeing in her is an insecure coping mechanism. It's her trying to do the right thing as best she can and the same with your parents. So there's a really good chance here that everybody's suffering in this situation. And as Mike and I have hinted, we believe honesty is the medicine for that suffering. If everyone can see what's really going on from everyone else's perspective. So not only tell, but listen, why do you do this? What does it mean to you? Why, what's the story? What's it look like from your point of view? Why do you think this is a good idea? How do you feel about it? If you can just open your ears to the idea, hey, maybe she's not evil. Maybe she's in pain. Maybe she thinks something else is happening to what you think is happening. Maybe you're both wrong. That kind of perspective will give you the best possible chance of sorting this out. But you've got to go into it, as Mike says, willing for it to never be sorted out and to just express yourself for your own sake, for your own sanity. Yeah, what more can we say? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and especially, you know, if this does escalate into something more significant where you even get counselors or law officials involved or God forbid someday have to go to court and pursue custody of your nephew, these are all possibilities. They do happen in rare, rare cases. You don't want to go from zero to 100. You really want to give everybody a chance to deal with the problem now before it continues to become worse. So your instinct to somehow do something and get involved in this and shine that flashlight around so everyone can see what you see is, I think, the right, the right instinct here. Yeah, should we go to the next question? Yeah, let's do it. I'll dive into this one a bit, read it out. It's another uh, fairly complex situation with a number of different people involved, similar in some ways to our last question. This one is regarding a conflict of respect. So the person who sent this in basically feels that they're in a situation where they are showing a lot of respect to another worker. I think it's a coworker or a friend, but is not getting respect back. And we've all experienced this and it's a very trying situation. Uh, oftentimes fueled by nice guy syndrome, which we have to watch out for. And uh, basically, this question was framed quite interestingly. He presented three possible ways to approach the situation, which is great. Uh, from his perspective, the first option was uh, respect them less. Show them less respect than you are in the past because you're not getting it back. So you balance the relationship by lowering your level of respect towards them. Second option was remain who you are, keep your level of respect until they come up to match in hopes that they will come to match you at some point, recognizing that, hey, this is definitely the right way to be a part of this relationship. And the third option was be prepared for replacement regardless of any project in connection. So I assume that means bail, either him leaving the company and the project or perhaps seeking to have the other person removed from the project and or the company. Uh, it, this situation looks very clear to be a coworker situation, two people on a project and the dynamics aren't working. 
Dan, what's your take? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, this, I think this one comes up a lot more than we hear about, which is a lot of people take option number one. They try to respect someone they don't get in return. So they reduce their own respect as kind of revenge or some way to sort of balance the scales. It's kind of justice. Like if someone treats me like shit, I'll treat them like shit. In terms of integrity, that's a very poor approach. For a start, it means that your values are conditional. You're willing to sacrifice them if other people don't live by them, which means you actually have very weak grip on your values. And it also means you're not giving. It means you're indebting. You only give if people give back, which means you're loaning out your values. If they're not paid back, you take them back. That being said, a lot of people confuse respect with people-pleasing. So they say someone's not reciprocating. What they mean is they're not being as nice to me as I'm being to them, but you're not, your niceness isn't the same as being respectful. For example, if you help someone a lot, that's not the same as respect. Maybe respect is letting them do it on their own or waiting for them to ask for help. If you fix people without their permission, that's definitely not respect. That means you're judging them as weaker than you and so on. So there's a lot of people who think they're being respectful when they're really being nice in a manipulative way. It's definitely not the same thing. But regardless, I rule out option number one. Don't let somebody else sacrifice your core values in general. Their behavior should be irrelevant to you living by your values. What might be relevant is who you direct that attention towards. If I have two people, one of them reciprocates my respect and one of them doesn't, guess who I'm inviting to dinner? Guess who I'll call on the phone? Guess who I'm going to spend more time with and give more of my energy and attention to? The one who reciprocates. It's actually a qualifying system. I respect people. If they don't respect me back, they're basically saying, let's not be friends. Now, I'm not saying you ignore the person, but there is a minimum level of respect, and then there's the bonuses you give to special people. And this is one of the things I sort of keep in mind. Happens with coaching all the time. I reach out and try to help as many people as I can. Some of them like that help. I'll give them more attention. If somebody come pushes back against my help, I'll give them less. In fact, I'm respecting them by doing so. They're saying, go away, basically. They're saying, I don't want any part of this, or I'm certainly not willing to invest what you're willing to invest. They're basically saying, not me. Go choose somebody else. And that's nothing that needs to be taken personally. The final point I'll make, I think, is that respect must always be two ways. While you respect others, it cannot come at the cost of disrespecting yourself. So you have to always have a clear definition in your head around what self-respect means. And respecting others must not compromise that and vice versa. Respecting yourself cannot be a disrespect to others. Respecting others cannot be a disrespect to yourself. So that's kind of a, uh, it's like a mystery that needs to be solved. How do I behave in a way that is simultaneously respecting of, of others and of myself? Because if it's respecting of myself, then I don't need them to reciprocate. There's no hole for them to fill. My cup is filled internally by me. I'm already full of respect. And of course, if I take it away from others, I wouldn't be living with integrity. If I was to disrespect other people, that's not how I want to be treated. So I'd be out of alignment with my integrity. So if I can get both happening at the same time, which is actually usually the key, if I respect someone else, I'll respect myself for doing that. Problem solved. It doesn't matter what they do. What they do is an, an additional event. It's not related. Um, 
that's my first kind of ranting uh, reaction to that. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And in fact, um, you know, the question of integrity is a really interesting one. When I think of integrity, I like to think of something that is um, in a very natural way has really found its roots and its place in the world, like, like an oak tree. If you have an oak tree sitting in your lawn and you chuck some corn seeds next to it and that corn starts to grow, the oak tree isn't gonna move. To me, that's what integrity is about. Nothing that changes in the world around that oak tree is going to convince that oak tree that it needs to be less of an oak tree. That's the mentality that you wanna have in this situation. And workplace situations are rife with confrontation, at least as much as romantic uh, relationships, because there's a lot of stress. You've got deadlines, you've got financial concerns, your boss is having a bad day, the water cooler's out of juice, whatever it is, there's constantly stuff going on. And this is constantly gonna affect your world. So expect there to be confrontations, expect there to be conflict and hold your own, know who you are and be consistent. One of the most valuable things about integrity is that everyone knows, everyone around you always knows who they're dealing with. They know what it takes for you to be happy. They know what it takes to recruit your attention and your effort and your strength on their side. For you, respect is important. If you show that and demonstrate that and essentially demand that consistently, people know exactly how to work with you. Whereas we've all had that one coworker who's very random and literally we just avoid them because they're kind of the rabid dog. We just never know what to do with this person. There's, there's one thing I'd like to call out about this message though that I, I think is very important, which is everyone's got a different definition of what respect is. And I think this is very important because your idea of you giving respect to this person and your idea that they are not giving respect to you is very much something that's happening inside your head. It's very difficult for us to see without examples. There weren't any, any given here or without watching and observing the interactions between you, whether there was intentional disrespect or whether the other person knew they were being disrespectful or whether they could even see that you were respecting them. Those dynamics are very, very subjectively assessed. So your subjective assessment of this interaction is that you're giving and you're not getting back an equal and balanced relationship. And you may be absolutely right, or you may be absolutely wrong. And it's important to recognize that. If you were to sit down with them and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to have a great workplace dynamic here. Respect is really important to me. I feel like I'm making a very strong effort to show you respect all the time. I feel like I'm not getting that back. Here's an example of where I felt disrespected. Now, if you do this in a, in a good way where the other person can at least see things through your eyes, they can quite possibly correct things or at least give you some feedback on where you are misinterpreting the situation. The positive effect here is it lets you release a bit of steam, a bit of emotional steam. You're actually being honest and authentic, just as we addressed in the previous question. Sharing what you're feeling is very important. Others can't see inside your emotional brain until you blow up, which is a bad, bad day for everyone. Um, 
And it, it also gives them a chance to see how their behavior looks from the outside, which most people don't know. So being honest, being authentic is very important, but being very, very aware that you might be wrong in your interpretation of what's happening here is a very important starting place for any confrontation. All you have in any confrontation is what you see through your own eyes and what thoughts happen inside your own head. You have no idea what's going on for this other person. You have no idea how they grew up, what they're looking for, what their cultural situation is, uh, how their mind works, how they deal with their emotions. And I see this all the time because particularly in technical companies, you have some people that they're all about the project. And they sound abrupt and rude and almost downright cruel and abusive because they're all about hit that goal, hit that deadline, hit that budget. That's it. That's all they care about. And they end up sacrificing people in the process without even being aware. Other people on that same team are all about the people and are really suffering because they see all these wrongs and injustices happening. But it's a matter of perspective. The only way to solve it is through really, really good communication continuously. I, I, I basically couldn't agree more. You know, you've brought up a good point. You can't even say you're being disrespected yet because the only way you know you're being disrespected is if the two of you come to a clear agreement and then the agreement is breached. So this is the key. You don't actually need to have an objective identification of what uh, an objective, an objective definition of respect. You need an agreed upon definition. There, it amazes me, especially in workplace um, relationships, how rare it is for people to sit down and go, what does respect mean to you? Let's come to an agreement on how we're going to treat each other. It's funny, I did this when I was a manager in corrections and all of my staff said, nobody's ever done this before. I thought, well, that's weird because it's such an important factor in how much we enjoy our work. And I saw it, you know, so much of the gossip and the conflicts and the misunderstandings in the workplace all came down because everyone thought they were living by the value of respect. Very few people were intentionally disrespectful. That's very rare. It's usually done out of vengeance where they think they were harmed first. But if you think you're being disrespected, odds are they either think you've already done it to them or they don't even agree with your definition of respect. And in their world, they're doing just fine. But if you sit down with someone and you go, here's what it means to respect me. Are you okay with that? And they go, yes, point one, two, three, that's exactly what I agree with. And then the next day, they do the opposite. That is intentional disrespect. They knew what it meant to you, and they said, fuck you anyway. That's an important piece of information about a person. It means, hey, this person's not good to have around. They breach agreements. They dis they're distrustful. They betray me. But somebody who just treats you in a way you don't like for them, that might be a great way to behave. That might be what they were raised with. You might be too sensitive. You might be, I know a lot of people whose definition of respect is quite unreasonable, like obedience. No, someone doesn't have to obey you to be respectful. Someone doesn't have to agree with you to be respectful. But a lot of people have that definition. And they found if they sat down and talked with someone and said, hey, for you to be respectful, I need you to do everything I say, that person's going to go, no, nah, that's not reasonable. And you're going to have a confrontation. And you're going to figure out a reasonable agreement. Then if they breach the agreement, now you're talking about disrespect. But before that, you're just talking about guesswork and assumptions. That's a great place to start the conversation too. Is, uh, one of the best examples of this I've seen is I had one friend who was raised by a military dad 
military brat kid lived in a world of extreme discipline, you know, Dave Goggins style discipline. Another friend who was raised by hippie parents ended up being next door neighbors. They were night and day different and they really, really struggled and also embraced those differences. But understanding that someone else's worldview, their understanding of how relationships are supposed to work, their understanding of how human dynamics work best, their understanding of give and take and relationships and honesty and respect and all these terms and definitions, it's gonna be different for everyone. So simply starting with that, that point, that understanding that, hey, I feel really uncomfortable. There are definitely emotions arising for me. Let's explore that. I wanna have a talk with this person and just share what I'm feeling and help get their perspective on what happened in this interaction. Probably learn a lot about them in the process. They'll learn a lot about you. They'll learn a lot about themselves. You'll learn a lot about yourself and all of this is going to make you both better people. Exactly. I mean, I often say confrontations are probably one of the most helpful things that happen in a relationship when they're done well, because they always take it to the next level. If it, if it helps you learn the person and yourself better, you know, I think the, the main point I'd like to finish on is the idea that you cannot enforce a boundary that hasn't been set. So you cannot punish someone or hold them to account for breaching something that you never talked through with them, an agreement that you came to on your own. You can't come into a relationship with a preset definition of respect and then hold them to account to that. That's really unreasonable. It would be unreasonable if they did it to you as well. And you'll notice people doing it to you. They say, I can't believe you didn't get that done by five o'clock. And you're like, dude, you didn't ask me to get it done by five o'clock. How could you expect that? And that's where the confrontation begins. Why would you think I'd know what you want without you telling me? Would you want me to do that to you? And you start to talk through what it means. And the thing is, this isn't going to be a single conversation. You may need to do it every day if they're quite a forgetful or disrespectful person. Or there'll be just so many nuances and variations that come up, so many different situations that don't have a precedent that you have to go, okay, in this situation, we have to do this, this, and this. So many people are so uncomfortable with that conversation that they never have it when you need to be having it all the time. It needs to be one of the most common conversation types that you engage in. This is what I want. This is what I mean. This is what I'm really thinking. What do you think? What's the best way for us to move forward? People will go their whole lives without having that conversation and wonder why they're constantly in conflict. As people have that conversation, often the conflicts are rare and far between. I absolutely agree. You know, it reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, uh, I never was into sports, never had anyone to teach me sports. When I get invited over to a baseball game, I had no idea how the rules worked. I'd run the wrong way around the bases. I didn't know that I was supposed to catch the ball or which position did what, had no clue. And the other kids were really frustrated with that. It's like, how come you're doing it all wrong? Just didn't know. And it took some time for me to actually learn, oh, that's, there are rules. This is how it's supposed to work. This is what makes everyone else comfortable that there's a process and a framework and a structure. But we don't all have that knowledge. We all come from a different place. And understanding that that is fundamental to all the relationships you'll ever be in uh, will really help. Absolutely. Look, two great questions and a lot of overlap there around I think the assumptions we make about other people, we put them into the category of evil when actually they probably uh, think they're doing the right thing and they have good intentions. Um, it's very rare that someone's trying to hurt you. 
odds are their primary intention is something else. They're trying to achieve a goal. They're trying to live by their own rules. They're trying to be a good person or something like that. You normally you're not that important to, you know, become someone's target of, of suffering. Um, so keep in mind, I think most poor treatment that you receive is actually a misunderstanding of some kind. And at least if it isn't, then confronting and setting boundaries will tell you about those rare exceptions where no, I've got a psychopath or a narcissist actually trying to hurt me now. You know, that's very different from someone who's just got poor communication skills or bad expectations or anything like that that can be resolved. Awesome. Thank you guys for your questions. Keep sending them through info at brojo.org if you want to send them through or brojo.org slash ask. There's a little form you can fill out there. Um, and of course, get in touch with us anytime if we can help. And if you want your questions answered as a priority, uh, join our gold membership and get all the perks and privileges there as well. Thanks, guys. See you next week. All right. Catch you later.